you know, getting people to believe that they're part of something greater than themselves is everything. You know, it's why it's it's the kind of mindset you want in your soldiers when you go to war. It's because it's bigger than me and it's bigger than you. Um, and if if you need to float the number to get that message across, then you do that. Um, but uh, I suppose it's about getting that leadership quality right, right, and understanding that it's about providing them with the service, not them providing you with the service, because that's a thing, a big mistake people have. How's it, guys? Welcome to episode 264 of the Matt Brown Show. This is the Getting Down with Brown format of the show. Today, I'm joined by uh, Sally Acton. She's the CEO of Talk. They do some incredible employee engagement experiences, and she's just got a wealth of information and knowledge around how to build businesses, uh, working with data and many, many other aspects of entrepreneurship. So today, we are joined by uh, Zark Lebetlang. Uh, he is our live mentorship uh, session about halfway through uh, this podcast. He's doing some really cool stuff in the informal uh, sector around entrepreneurship development, which is so critical right now for South Africans in general. Uh, but he is battling to make sales and Sally and I dive in to give him some practical uh, steps around how he can fix his sales problems and then pay particular uh, attention to the part of the show where uh, we were asked a question from the studio line guys if you haven't joined uh, the studio line please do so now i really would like to get more of you on there um, so help me help you uh, so to speak um, and so miranda asked us uh, about podcasting and seen a lot of different uh, you know people starting podcasts uh, over the last week or so it's been a trend that we've seen or i've seen over the last few uh, months but should you start a podcast now? And if you do decide to start a podcast, what are the consequences for doing that? And some of those answers around that strategy may surprise you. So without further ado, let's get on with the show. Hello, ladies and gentle fiends. We are back with the Getting Down with Brown and Sally Acton today. <laughs> Welcome, Sally, to the show. Great to have you here. Thanks, Matt. Nice to be here. Yeah, so um, we are broadcasting this live, guys, as usual. So if you'd like to jump in and join the conversation, please uh, do that uh, with myself and Sally. We're going to uh, run you through a bit of a journey today. Look at, we're going to look at some news. We're going to look at uh, some how-to stuff. We're going to get some practical stuff. We're going to do a live mentorship session with um, an entrepreneur who is battling uh, to make sales. We're going to talk about how to make sales and practical stuff. We're going to jump into a bit of a soapbox all about commitment. So there's a whole bunch of stuff coming on uh, your way today. Uh, so thank you all for being here and for participating in, in the show. So uh, Sally, um, you're co-hosting the show today. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Uh, why don't you give our audience a bit of a backstory to who you are? What is, I see you're the CEO of Talk. Obviously, that's not the only company that you do or that you run. Uh, so why don't you tell us a little bit about who you are? Sure, Matt. Um, so yeah, I, um, I run a company called Talk and we are an employee experience consultancy and we've been around for the last 11 years. Um, I also work, well, I, I sit as a non-executive director on a, for a company called GoFetch, which is a data aggregation software solution. And um, for some strange reason, I'm starting up a third business because, you know, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, why not, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so, yeah, and... Uh, 
I have three children and I'm currently enjoying the, as we were just chatting about the, the added spice of having a work from home, three children thick scenario. So yeah, kind of doing a whole lot of everything right now. Um, so I will say though that, uh, I think working from home certainly has its advantages if you have kids, right? I mean, I don't mind the fact that my little ones get to see me, you know, three times a day as opposed to not at all. Do you know what I mean? So, yeah, so I enjoy that, uh, that part of it. But, uh, I will say we've started going back to the office now, especially just as a sales team, uh, cause it just helps the tip of the spear focus and, mm. you know, align more than, you checking in when you need to, you know, it's certainly if you're trying to drive a high performance business, uh, which I think everyone should do, one should seriously consider, you know, which teams do you put into a, a kind of a co-working environment or into an office space as opposed to just distributing them. Um, do you have any views on that or what have you learned? Cause your business was actually uh, kind of remote anyway, before COVID hit, right? Yeah, so Talk is, um, has been working on, for the past few years, we've been working on three days remote and uh, two days in the office. Um, and that's that's worked really well for us because you got your three days where you can kind of do your focus and your deep work and your thinking and strategy kind of stuff. And then uh, two days, which quite honestly, were, were just all about the, the fun and the brainstorming and throwing ideas around. I do think it's really difficult to... Um, to really brainstorm great creative ideas and problem solve um, over Zoom, it has been a lot more challenging. Um, so we, we used to, you know, put our creative sessions or our strategy sessions on a Tuesday or a Thursday when we'd all be together. And that's that's definitely been a little bit harder to replicate um, not being together. Mm. Uh, some people have op- have opted to come back to the office now, but we we have made the the offer that those that if you never want to return to a, a an office environment that's fine too so we we ha- are now working with kind of a blended environment where twice a week some of the people are in the office and the rest are still working from home so that's also um it's also a bit challenging because the people at home how do you you know how do you keep that that feeling of uh, being inclusive and you know when the rest of you are all face to face and laughing and somebody else is on zoom it's a little bit tough it is. You're right. You're right. You're right. Um, I do get it. I do get it. Um, so uh, we've got a lot to cover today, guys. So let's get into our first segment, all about the news. Great. So we're going to uh, bring up on screen for you guys uh, this here news uh, piece that came out this morning. Uh, it says here, the headlines on CNBC, it says Twitter stock jumps on potential subscription platform. Uh, shares of Twitter closed up more than 7% on Wednesday's trading, a mostly strong day for tech stocks. So this is quite interesting. And, and I guess just to give you guys some more context uh, around this, uh, this is where uh, we're seeing a whole bunch of big brands pulling their advertising off Facebook specifically. Um, and uh, I suppose maybe to, to a lesser degree, other platforms like YouTube and Twitter, people are basically using to market their products and services. So one of the um, uh, interesting developments from my perspective, and Sally, I know this isn't exactly your area of expertise, but certainly like to get your view on that, um, is that, you know, if this is basically Twitter's attempt at changing their entire business model, or not the entire business model, but certainly one of their primary commercial revenue streams 
by introducing the opportunity to uh, to subscribe or to enable subscription revenue through co- specific contents and payments around uh, the user base of um, of of Twitter itself. Um, do you have um, any views on this? What have you personally seen, or have you, uh, I, you know, any views at all around brands moving their ads off, uh, you know, Facebook and Twitter? And what's what's your view around Twitter, you know, introducing a subscription type revenue service, uh, you know, to offset the risk of their traditional ad funded um, engine and commercials? Yeah. Well, look. First of the bat, I, I love anything that comes with a code name. I think they're calling it code name Griffin. <laughs> yeah. I love a code name. I know, right? <laughs> uh, I don't know if you remember. A few years ago, Twitter actually ran a survey where they were asking um, they were asking if people would uh, pay for a premium subscription um, for additional insights into analytics and premium content. So I think this is probably the I think this is probably what they've been working on off the back of that survey. Um, I am interested to see how they're going to roll it out. If they're going to go for, I think they're probably going to go for a, a Twitch or kind of Patron medium type uh, setup. Mm. Um, uh, but yeah, I'm interested to see what they're, I mean, I don't know if the, if the aim is going to be then that uh, people can specifically fund uh, accounts that they're particularly drawn to in like the Twitch model mm. Um what do you think about that? Um, well, um, let me just uh, switch to an example. Is that um, they are looking to innovate at all? I mean, if you think about YouTube, like YouTube hasn't done jack, you know, shit <laughs> since it was around, right? And so it's always been about ad ad funded business models, which are actually quite poor as a business model unless you've got massive economies of scale or massive scale in terms of your user base. But even if you introduce the subscription-based ad model, right, um, it doesn't mean that your traditional advertisers are going to buy. So like LinkedIn as an example, they've introduced uh, recently a conversation ad. So on LinkedIn in mail, you can receive a message from me and I'll go, hey, um, hey, Sally, um, you know, I'm the CEO of Digital Kung Fu and, you know, we do some rad stuff around pipeline generation for companies like Talk. Um, here are some, you know, would you like to learn more? And then there'd be two options there. It's kind of, if you imagine a chatbot experience, right, where it's a bit of a yeah. preamble, it's copy driven, and then you get some decision trees, right? And those decision trees are used to basically provide behavioral intelligence around Sally's interest in, in engaging with, with me. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it'll be, you know, view results or view case studies or learn more or speak to me directly. And so we've started to, well, no, thanks. Yeah, exactly. Right. So, Mm. so we started to test those conversation ads um, ourselves, but I mean, if you think about the entire arsenal of pipeline generation activities that, um, that we deploy in any given lightning strike as an example, which is one of our products, um, you know, it's not something that we've now just put, you know, 20% of our budget into just because it's new. It has to be significantly better than what previously was there. So one of the big constraints for Twitter specifically and why we don't buy ads on Twitter is because you can't hyper target. So it's been one of those things where, you know, I can't target Sally specifically in a city like, you know, Durban Berea. I can't do that. I can only do like regions. So that's kind of pointless if I'm, if I'm in retail and I want to drive people in store on Twitter, you know, um, around a particular retail uh, strategy as an example. So, 
I don't know. I think the question mark is out there. I think uh, valuation-wise, great idea because if it does work, subscription revenues are amazing. Um, and also, I think um, there's a lifespan on ad-funded business models, full stop. You know, uh, if you think about um, the, the blockchain space, social media on blockchain, where it uses tokens essentially to commercialize the site around, um, what was that one token? I forget the name. It'll come to me in a second. But it's basically where you get rewarded in cryptocurrencies based on the popularity of your content. So it's not about yep. the volume of content that you produce. It's about the quality of the content. So yeah. over time, if you think about the you're, you're a user experience expert, Sally. So if you think about the, the user experience, custom experience that you want to create on these platforms, you know, and with all the other stuff that's going on around Facebook, right, the, the misuse of data, uh, Cambridge Analytica, you got all these other things that are people are starting to question, well, what are you doing with my data? And then you got the regulators yeah. coming in and going, hang on, you can't serve me ads using my cookies anymore. I don't want those ads, you know, following me around the internet, serving me flight offers for Paris. You know what I'm saying? From three months yeah. ago. Uh, and so GDPR has come into effect. You got Poppy and da so data driven advertising is becoming more and more of a, of a problem for many advertisers. So you have to start looking and saying, well, what's next? Where is it all going? Well, don't you think that that's maybe why they're going to go the Twitch model or the, the medium model where they're putting the onus on the actual content creator in terms of the owners of the Twitter accounts? to be creating and driving that subscription based on the content that they that they're putting up. I mean if you look at Medium, I mean what a what an amazing business case. I think the biggest check ever cut by Medium for a single blog post was $23,000. Hmm. I mean that's not bad for a that's not bad for a a day's work. Mm. So I think that perhaps they're they're going to go that route and they're going to say cool you can subscribe and I don't know you can Unlock some extra emoticons and block Donald Trump um, for this, you know, for an extra $6 a month. But I think that they are going to be putting um, more drive on the actual t Twitter account holders to create that subscription model and to create some kind of maybe a shared revenue scheme. How would that practically work then? So if, if Matt Brown's show is, has got all this content, would we then say subscribe to receive more Podcasts, yeah, live broadcasts, yeah. basically. Okay. Premium content. I mean, like, if you look at Medium again, sorry, I'm, I'm a big fan of the model and I'm dying to know how that algorithm is written. But, um, you know, they have that very specific algorithm. So the amount of claps versus the amount of follows in a specific month equals basically the size of your paycheck. Mm. And, I mean, I think that that's, I think that that's where they're going is they're basically outsourcing a lot of the content creation. And they're saying, like, if you're – I don't know, who's great, a huge Twitter account, Kanye, Katy Perry, um, you know, mm. have a, a premium content model where you'll get extra Katy Perry videos or whatever for an extra $6 a month. I get you. I get you. So it's a way to to kind of get the, the content producers to create more high-value subscription-orientated content as opposed to just the yeah. generic tweets. Okay, That's my theory. Hmm, that's an interesting theory. So, ten. Should we put should we put a cappuccino on it? Jeez, I'll put, I'll put five grand on it. What do you think? Um, <laughs> yeah, I'll raise your cappuccino five grand. I've got three kids in school, dude. <laughs> cappuccino is where it's at. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. Well, I suppose the uh, the 
the uh, the jury's out on that. I mean, how is that different to YouTube subscribers or if you have your own channel then? Stay with us. We'll be right back. Hey there. I know being an entrepreneur can be a very lonely experience. You sometimes get stuck, don't you? Well, if you're like me, being stuck sucks. But what if you could access the minds of over 850 CEOs who have built companies generating billions of dollars in revenue and access all of that knowledge in a fraction of a second? Well, the good news is you can literally do that today. What my team have built is Matt Brown AI. It is trained on all the interviews, over 850 of them that I've done to date, all my books, all the knowledge capital that has been generated over the last 10 years right here on the Matt Brown Show. And you can get access to all of that right now for free. So how do you get access to this? Well, head on over to mattbrownshow.com and at the top you'll see community. Hit that link, sign up, it's absolutely free and you'll be given instant access to Matt Brown AI and a community of over 100,000 subscribers. Oh, I mean, it's, I mean, in my opinion, then they're, they're, the, the, I mean, the more, the more quality content that you've got, and if they build in an algorithm to the amount of retweets or the amount of popularity would equal a bigger paycheck or a ba- bigger dividend, I don't think YouTube does that. Mm. I don't think they, they increase your um, revenue based on, I'm not sure. Yeah. I speak under correction. I am. Um... I was watching, I sent Mav, uh, the producer of the show, uh, a link to um, what you get, you earn on YouTube if you have a million views on a piece of content. And on average, it ranged between, uh, I think it was, I'm going to speak under correction here, Mav, maybe pull up that article again, but, um, but it was between $5,000 and I think it was like $30,000 depending on this, what, you know, what channel, what category of content it was going into. So that's like like a million views, like for a piece of content, that's like, it almost excludes a lot of, um, I said like the 99% of the producers of content. Right. So, um, and even then it's not a huge amount. Right. And so also like I've seen some crazy stuff on Twitter, people basically complaining, um, producers of content and they've been around, for like literally 10 years producing content on YouTube and content uh, YouTube rather has come down and shut them down because they just think there there was a complaint or something like that and their entire um, you know revenue has been wiped out because of ex- them expressing their views and remember the original pay line mm. of um, of YouTube was broadcast yourself it's, yeah. a, it's a US based platform, freedom of speech. I mean, I know hate speech is wrong and they have a duty. To, and I'm not saying these people were shut down because of hate speech. It was just mm. they came along and said, hey, we don't like your editorial guidelines. It was like, remember the Patreon stink, you know, with Jordan Peterson and these guys? And they just started shutting them down. Um, and again, for no real reason, then going, oh, but look at our terms and conditions. It says, but the terms and conditions are quite gray. They're not black and white, they're open to interpretation. Yeah. So. Yeah, well, I mean, that's why I'm, I'm interested to see. I mean, in, you know, the, the Twitch thing always fascinates me because you can constantly, you know, you're basically paying to watch somebody game. Mm. Um, and, you know, but ultimately you're paying or tipping them for entertainment because if, they, if they're commentating while they're playing and they're entertaining me and they're making me laugh, then I tend to give them more money. I know they're also, you know, there's a whole lot of uh, a darker side to some of these things, but... 
um, you know, I mean, that's that's ultimately what you're doing. You're saying you're an, a, a regular person. I love your Twitter account. You're keeping me entertained. I'm basically tipping you for that service or I'm, you know, like I really like this bartender. I'm going to give him an extra 20 bucks. Maybe they're going to go with that. Mm. Exactly. Well, I think uh, that's going to be an interesting space to see because certainly, you know, if, if one platform pulls it off, you know, the next it's going to become a domino effect because they're all yeah. basically, if you think about it, they're all competing for the same ad dollar. Right. Absolutely. And what Facebook does better than everybody else is targeting. Right. So we went through yeah. this on uh, on the last getting down with Brown show with Brent. Um, so uh, Brent Spilly. Yeah. 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 Cool. Um, so let's get into how to X. Great. So uh, today we're going to cover how to pivot. Um, and I want to give, um, this came up on the show and Brent was basically Sally making this point around, well, what does pivot actually mean? You know, mm. are you talking about just adding a new service to your, an existing customer or are you changing your entire business? And I think, uh, that's certainly maybe something we can, we can maybe double down on. But I wanted to share uh, this article that I came out or that I came across over uh, the weekend. Um, and uh, let me bring it up on screen here so you guys can see it. I'll put a video out on socials about this. Um, here you go. So pret a it's on BBC News. pret a to shut 30 shops and cut 1,000 jobs. Um, and then it goes on to say um, that it was a difficult decision. You know, they've got 410 stores. But they're closing 30 of these. Um, it's a sad day. You know, Pret is thought to be losing about 20 million pounds a month or about 80 million rand a month, which is a huge number. Um, and then uh, what was really interesting about uh, this release is that they made reference to their digital channels. And it says, Pret said sales across these digital channels have already grown 480% year on year and now represents over 8% of total UK uh, sales here. So um, there's two things that for me are really important to to discuss today, um, Sal. Uh, and the first thing is that if you, you know, obviously, uh, even though we are coming out of a hard lockdown environment, right? So everything shut down. Now people are able to move. Some businesses starting to to uh, to start again, et cetera, et cetera. We're able to basically, you know, go back to some kind of normality. And as is the same in the UK, but what was really interesting for me was that, uh, and I had a chat also today to a local physio at my shoulder checked out today. Thanks, CrossFit. Um, and um, and it, he basically made the same point, which is the same insight, basically. It's a smaller business here in a developing economy, but over there in Pret, a big, you know, big chain, 410 stores. And what is really fascinating for me is that I think it's going to get a lot worse before it gets better, and, and especially if you're in retail. And the reason for that is because, um, you know, you know, if you have 410 stores, even if the government said, cool, open up again, people are not going to adopt the same behaviors that they used to. Corp if you go to Waterloo think of, or, or Embankment or Angel, all these big, uh, or, you know, uh, hubs for, for corporate offices, you know London well, Sally, mm -hmm. like these uh, companies are not having their staff at the office. So the footfall is no longer there and won't mm -hmm. be there for some time. So what, and who knows what some time quote unquote actually means. So uh, in effect, then the business model that you had is now under threat, right? So what does pet, pet do? Do they, right? And so the other, the second point then it leads me to the second point, which is this idea of forced adoption where people still want pet products, right? 
the mm. bacon chicken like BLT sandwich in your mouth. It's so yum. Uh, but they're not prepared to basically access that product in the same way, hence why their mm. uh, digital channels have basically exploded, right? There was another stat I read recently. Um, a, a e-commerce in the UK has grown by 80% in 12 weeks. That's insane, right? So it's this mm. idea of forced adoption. So having said all of that, Sally, why should people, when do you make the call to pivot? So let's use uh, Pret as an example, right? When do they pivot? How do they pivot? What exactly do they do? I mean, they, they're already starting to cut costs, right? They're losing 80 million a month. What do you do? Okay, that's, um, so I think, uh, I think one of the things that, um, that people have been doing, in my opinion, wrong is, uh, you know, you should, what did they say, fail, fail fast and fail quickly. So get on it as soon as, okay, cool, the world's changing, things are changing. I think people that have sat back and done the wait and see have um, found it harder to recover. Uh, I, one thing that I am struggling with a little bit around this, and it's a, it's a conversation I've had with a couple of the shop, shopper marketing companies, is um, what I'm failing to understand, and maybe it's because I work a lot in the, the employee space, mm. is why the, the employees are not being redeployed, to, in, especially in retail, to more of a sort of concierge service. So take an online, okay, so take, take the South African market and take, a, take an online shop. Now, I know a lot of the businesses were not set up to handle huge volumes of e-commerce and um, some, I mean, we, 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 we're quite behind in some of our, the e-commerce space. But what I would have done in some of the bigger retailers is I would have basically allowed um, my staff to become available to be a, an online shopping assistant. So actually allow my customers to, to um, you know, chat with them, uh, you know, click on a button to, to hit a Zoom call and actually redeploy those staff to answer questions and assist me to shop online. So in some of the, in some, I mean, take like a hardware store, for example. I, I don't know what kind of a, a, a specific hook or nail I need. I, and I need to actually walk with my phone and show you and say like, here's what I need to hang. And you could say to me, okay, cool, this is the product that you need because I don't even know what it's called. Mm. So if I could have hit a button and chatted with some one of the staff who's now sitting at home anyway, that person could have been assisting to facilitate online sales during that period instead of everybody basically sitting back and waiting. Mm. And in the same time, a lot of the stores as well and, and in, the, in, the, um, in the restaurant space why are we not utilizing those staff members to go and do shopping or deliveries on people's behalf and then basically take it out to a delivery service like a Uber or a Taxify to deliver to our consumer? Mm. There are existing networks and existing infrastructure in place where we could have pivoted. I also hate that word. Um, it's like synergy. Oh, my, my words. <laughs> um, someone says synergy and they do this with their hands. I want to, I want to puke. Um, <laughs> So yeah, so I, I mean, you know, I think I think the I think the the thing is, you don't need to necessarily you know change your entire business model or add a new product, but I think it's just again, it's it's the very very basics of customer experience is saying put yourself in the sh in the shoes of the customer and see where they are and try and see how you can service that need mm. with what you already have. Yeah, exactly. Um, I couldn't agree with you more. Um, for me, I think 
it's a difficult one, right? Because you you're trying to uh, protect shareholder value, but then also protect the future of the business. And so, um, you know, and again, it's like I use the analogy of business being a big ship. So the bigger the ship, the slower it is to turn. Um, and even with Pretz, uh, you know, incredible brand. Um, and uh, I mean, I love Pretz. I used to get it all the time in London. And so, you know, um, even having said all of that, you also need to change your customer's behavior. You know, going to Pretz was as much about escaping the office, right, as it was about buying Pretz. And that was a that was an insight from a coffee startup um, that I consulted to in London years ago. Uh, was uh, people go spend a frightening amount of time standing in queues at Starbucks, yeah. at Pret-a-Manger, and these companies. Um, and they do it to escape, right? So if you're already escaped from the office, I mean, you're sitting at mm-hmm. home, why would you now go to Pret? What, what, what compelling economic right exist would you have then, right? Because... I could walk to any number of other stores local to where I live now, you know, mm. um, and I can buy anything online. And so if you think about Amazon, who are you really competing with then? You know, Am- Amazon, Uber Eats, you know, now, now you're competing not just with yourself uh, and, your, and your, your retail network and the inherent equity that that, pre- you know, presented to the market, but now you're competing mm. with an entirely different uh, player and that's Uber and I certainly would not want to be in a fight with Uber and all the other efficiencies that go along with that, right? So then it's like, it's actually quite scary, you know, if you think about it. Yeah, definitely. I mean, and that's, you know, then you've got to look and say, cool, like, where do I, where do I sign up? I would also though, I think what, what, what people, yeah, you know, everyone talks about the new normal and how everything has changed, but but what people forget as well is that humans are creatures of habit. Um, there, everybody, everybody talks about a new normal, but people are also very, very keen for a lot of things to go back to the way that they were. So they're craving that that sense of normal. Mm. So I think, especially when people moved, everyone moved to to work from home. Um, you know, what I would have done is I would have, you know, said there's a there's a you know, one of the big complaints is that people are now in back to back Zoom meetings. There's no more personal boundaries. There's no more personal space. Mm. If Pret could could have uh, maybe I don't know worked around something to say you know you've got to still have that break you've started still got to have your your Pret time because that time is important and it's self care mm. and we'll bring it to you and with the self care message and you know take this twenty minutes to to decompress away from your screen and like is there a special offer that we could pack for the kids so that they could have a sandwich outside with you during lunchtime. You know, there there were ways that they could have said, like, we support you during this period with this offering. I love that idea. See, now now you've touched on something interesting. Um, Debbie on uh, Facebook says, please, can we all agree to stop saying the new normal? <laughs> if everyone stops doing synergy, then I promise to stop yeah, saying yeah, the exactly, new exactly, Deb. Just don't say synergy ever again. Um <laughs> But you know, but you're right though, because that's the thing. It's about the experience again, going back to that custom experience. So you could say, I love the the insight, right? You did it because you wanted that that escapism. You wanted that personal, like I'm out. Uh, but also now at ha- at home, it's a different kind of escape. You know, yes, I'm escaping from the office, but actually, I also want to escape from 
my commitments in the house itself, you know, especially if you're parents. Um, and so if you could personalize the, uh, the snacking occasion with, to your point, a relationship-driven message, it is completely different to buying something from like Nando's in London where it's just Nando's. And it's yeah. like the, every other Nando's you've ever bought. Um, and so Pret could start to reimagine who they are. And Microsoft have this really great um, analogy where you recover and then you reimagine. You know, uh, you respond, recover, and then reimagine. And so and this is a, an idea that they've come up with um, from, from COVID. And now it's all about reimagining, right? We've now recovered kind of. Um, and we're moving yeah. into the space where we're going to start to reimagine what uh, – Pretemanger could be, mm. you know, um, and so we're all in this situation, and I, and I love that idea. And so one of the uh, just to finish this uh, segment, then we're going to phone uh, Zark, our um, live mentorship uh, candidate for the hot seat today. Um, but uh, you have to believe that there is a solution. You have to believe there's a solution. Otherwise, you will never see it, even if it's in front of you. Um, and, you know, I put that tweet out uh, earlier this week, something that I've been thinking about as well, because we have to solve more and more complex business problems and they almost seem unsolvable. It's like, oh, geez, you're competing with Uber. <laughs> you know, it's a tough one. What do you do? But it can be so something so simple, a personalized notes with a, you know, CRM driven data experience. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, and again, one of because I work in the employee space, I honestly think that um, the first people that you should ask to help you solve these problems are your employees. Mm -hmm. um, they are the people that deal with your customers. They're the people that understand your product. They understand your competitors because they're comparing that experience the entire time. And you know, some of the greatest innovations we see coming are coming from the employees. So instead of instead of laying everyone off, maybe ask them for a, for an idea or, you know, consult with them. Guys are having a proper laugh on Facebook. It's hilarious. Thanks, Colin. He's saying uh, to Debbie's, he responds only, he says, uh, he'll stop saying the new normal only if we get more synergy in your pivots. <laughs> uh, that's hilarious. Hi there, guys. So quick one just to say we have launched a studio line. You can now interact live with our guests either online and or using your mobile phone. The number for the studio line is plus two seven seven nine nine double four eight six three four. The number again is zero seven nine nine double four eight six three four. Add that to your phone, guys, now and we'll be happy to take your questions live on the Map Round Show. Okay, cool. Um, so, Zark, I hope you're ready, dude. Let's give him a shot. Let's give old Zark a shot here. Hello. Zark, hello. You're live on the Map Run Show. Uh, well, guys, thanks, Matt. Welcome, dude. So I've got Sally Acton with me as well. Uh, we're going to do a bit of a live mentorship session. We do have a, a community on Facebook as well, all listening to us discuss you and your business challenges now. Um, and uh, no pressure, but um, why don't you give us <laughs> why don't you give us a little bit of an introduction? Uh, what is your business? What is it trying to do? And if you can just uh, maybe articulate what's the challenge, the primary number one challenge you have right now, and we'll take a stab at at trying to solve it for you. Thank you, Matt. Um, hi, Sally, and also hi. to the audience as well. Um, so Matt, uh, essentially what we do, we are in the, in the business of 
SMME development, number one, and also the core of our business is driving sales, right? So our business uh, essentially has been operating for the past two years. And um, in, our, in our focus, in our objective, is not only to, to drive sales within the business for our clients and our partners, but also add value in terms of empowerment. So essentially, that is what we have been doing for the past two years. And the areas that we focus in are your, your township areas, your formal settlement areas, because we have realized in this research that we've done, a lot of SMMEs are not uh, formalized in terms of the banking and the digital space. So there's a lot of lacking in terms of those two core business um, um, imperatives that an SMME should have. Okay, great. So uh, what, what is your product um, and who are you? So I know you mentioned, is it Township Entrepreneurs? And I mean, what are you trying to move? Is it entrepreneurial educational products? Is it, you know, bank account leads for a SAS fund? Yes, Matt. Uh, Matt, so what we do essentially is that in our programs, uh, how we set up our events, that's why we were so affected by the lockdown because we would uh, book venues, organize um, SMMEs and in hundreds, you know, uh, because we wanted as much impact as possible. So, Ours was on, on, on education, business education, entrepreneurial education. Number two is also providing business banking and also information regarding finance debt. I will tell you why. Because um, in, in the discussions, the programs that we've had, so for example, in 2019, we had about um, 10 fully functioned programs. You know, mm. We impacted about 3,000 entrepreneurs. And in, in the work that we, we we've done, we've realized most of these guys don't have the right information. They know how to start a business, they know how to appoint people, they know how to do a business plan, all these basic things. But when you ask them, for example, there's a gentleman who was running a small-scale farm, right? So this guy is saying, I can't get access to money to the normal banks. So he's not informed about the finance debt offering that Sespon, for example, one of our partners had. So these are the things that that, that, that inspire us or that continue to make us reaching out to these kind of SMMEs. Okay. Um, yes. And what's the, like, if you, what's your current sales revenue if you're open to share? Like, I mean, are you, how many, you, and you don't have to give the actual number of rev, or what your actual revenue numbers are, but are you, how many sales per month are you currently making or have you made over the last so, six months? So, so Matt, for example, Remember, we, we on, our soul, on our sales plans, we have three divisions that we focus on. One is the business coaching package that we provide to SMMEs. Number two is the development, the software development package. Mm -hmm. And thirdly, it is the business banking that we have with, uh, with our banking partner, right? Mm -hmm. So these are three sections that we focus on. Where we have seen much of the leads are in the business banking side mm -hmm. and also on the software development right mm -hmm. um so we look at averages of 35 uh, packages per month that we sell right mm -hmm. um and this was because of the the interaction that we had with these smmes so when you speak like what you guys just said the new normal <laughs> <laughs> people are speaking about the new normal you go to the township guys don't have data the guys don't have access to internet so when you speak about the new normal what new normal are we talking about because these are the guys who are working on the ground who don't have access to these kind of tools, right? Okay, cool. Uh, Sally, do you want to take a stab at that first? 
Sure. So I um, look, I hear what you're saying around the data. First of all, um, I think it's a great business that you're in, and I'm always keen. I'm always keen to to hear about development of SMMEs, especially in the informal sector. Um, I think it's I think it's great, and I'm so pleased to hear that you're offering business coaching as well because I think that that's absolutely critical. Um, so what I I think what we've seen over the last few months is um, you know is we need to look at ways that people can have access to your product. And one of the one of the things that we work a lot with that I would recommend that you look into is um, offering a data free solution. So there are ways that you can reverse bill uh, specific portals or URLs back to a uh, perhaps a, a SASFIN or a partner that would assist with that, where you can actually host your educational material um, at no cost to the SMME to access. Because I think a large part of what, uh, what you need to do is obviously on the educational side, and those are the town halls, those are the questions, those are the, you know, those are the human interactions that you're missing. And potentially that could be hosted in a, in a central portal location where you could do your education, you could generate leads that could then be followed up telephonically. Um, or via uh, like an online sales funnel, I think you could do that. And the data free, and the data part could actually be reverse billed back to back to one of the partners. And I would also look at at perhaps the business coaching. Um, I, I think a lot of businesses have seen over the last few months that at the moment it's a really good idea to offer uh, bits of IP and bits of advice for free. Um, so potentially as a value add to say, look at our different offerings and as a bonus, you'll have access to perhaps like a mini or a light version of the business coaching as a, as a value add. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I will, uh, wait. I love that. So I think obviously this all comes down to execution, right? So uh, at the end of the day, um, the one thing that, that I've learned is that, you know, if you're if you're battling to make sales, like you've got three things that you're essentially trying to commercialize your business with. Um, in a market that's flat and definitely in a recession, I would be ruthless about your areas of focus because I think you know if you said to me, Matt, now introduce a coaching program off the Matt Brown show. I would literally, I would laugh because it's it's so scary just to think about what that would involve. <laughs> Right. Think about yeah. it. coaching. What are you selling? Time. How yeah. many? How yeah. many other business coaches are out there now? Yeah. Lots of unemployed people masquerading as qualified business coaches, and they're not very many. A lot of those, you know, <laughs> a lot of those just make a lot of noise. You know what I'm saying? So um, I've tried yeah. coaching. I've tried coaching. It's hard to find a good one, and even then, you want a coach that really specialises in what you do. You know, uh, so like technology as an example. And so if you're, then I would say, so then you've got software development and business banking. So you said that those two are working better than your business coaching. And like, obviously, if you don't have sales, like we all have only eight hours in a day, or let's just say 24 hours in a day, whatever, right? We all have it the same. So you, you can only express your time. You can only leverage your time through more people. But if you can't employ people, that almost becomes defunct. So you can then you only have your time in the day. You only have your yeah. time. So then what are you going to be doing? Are you going to be trying to sell business coaching in a market that's largely commoditized? Because I can tell you one thing for absolute certain, every potential prospect that you're trying to sell something to is trying to commoditize you straight away. Yeah. They're trying to, 
they're trying to take the power to them. They're trying to hold on to their power. If you position yourself as special, then you will have the power, right? Yes. Uh, and you can't really do that in a business coaching space. I don't believe you can do that. And if you can, congratulations. You know, have to believe that you can do that. But then do business yes. coaching and build out the offering around that. You know, so I think uh, that's the first thing I'd say. And then the, the the other thing I wanted to mention was business banking in the informal sector. The informal sector don't trust banks. Yeah, they don't trust them. And if you think about B two B, which is where you at, and trust as being the the kind of you know economic denomination of uh, any value exchange. Is business banking the thing that you really want to push? And, and if you don't have a business banking partner with an existing customer base that you can then penetrate or cross-sell, activate, or at least leverage, right, to reduce your go-to-market costs, like that starts to make things pretty tough for you, right? And then software, de software development also is largely commoditized. If I, I'm building software right now. Um, and uh, there's loads of software development companies out there from India to South Africa. You can you type it in. I get hits like every week from companies trying to sell me software development. Do you understand? So yeah. business coaching, yeah. software development, and business banking, well, they all have their challenges, right? Two are being largely commoditized, and the other one seems to be business banking, seems to be a, 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 a problem that you could probably solve with the right partner. Yeah. You understand? Yeah. Um, so, for yes. me, so for me, it's all around how quickly can you build something uh, that can scale and that is something that's truly unique and special in the eyes of the customer you're trying to sell it to because also there's many business banks. Yes. You understand? Yes. So you have to figure out, well, what is special about what I do? Um, what difference do I want to make? What is it that I personally am passionate about because that's also the inner game, right, uh, is also the thing that mm -hmm. we, we have to rest every day not just the external stuff that i just covered and then i would say you have to try and bring those things together right and then if it's a new product bank on that product and try and move it quickly you know with a partner or something to that yes. Yes. but i love sally's yes. idea around like the free ed entrepreneurial education but if you but yes. again if it's free why are you expecting me to pay anything at all yes you know what i mean Get free entrepreneurial yeah. education and pay for my coaching. It doesn't work. Yeah, yeah. There's too much friction there. Sally, do you want to jump in? Yeah. So I mean, so my idea was more around saying, you know, to try and uh, to try and replicate the the town hall experience on a digital platform. Ah. So I'm more taking what Zark does uh, as as somebody that's passionate about uplifting and helping SMMEs. I'm saying rather take uh, you know, take who he is and put it online and say, like, you know, this is try and rep, try and replicate. If I came to your, one of your town halls, like, what would you what would you tell me? What would you explain to me? What would uh, you know? You use your example of a of a you know of a farmer. Um, you know, tell stories like that and be like, if you if you're running a, a farm or a co-op or a small holding, here's how business banking can really assist you with things like cash flow, with things like um, finance for assets. Uh, you know, tell the story and and it's you know because who you are is going to be the thing that's missing 
um, from the, the sales process. And that I think you can take online and then people can start to indicate where they're interested. Mm. Um, you know, in a very simple, you know, web forms and stuff that doesn't have to be expensive to set up. And then you can contact them yourself and actually close the sale in person, bringing, you know, bringing your, um, bringing your own personality and flair to the, to the equation. Mm. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Definitely, definitely, uh, Matt and Sally. I think I've, 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 I've gained a lot of traction on what you've just mentioned because what actually has been transpiring because I've been discussing with some of my mentors and my advisors that I work with, right? And um, we, we, we just canceled the entire, because we had a year plan of events that we wanted to do. And with the coronavirus, we just decided to cancel the physical events. Uh, that's number one. Number two is that we are currently looking on building a platform, right? So it will be more of an easy access free application, right? So it comes back to the question of saying, how do we tell our, how are we able to tell the stories that we've interacted with in the past two years? So we've, we have decided that for this five months, we'll just build on storytelling content, right? based on the work that we've done with the SMMEs because we have the content, we have the graphics, we have all this work, we can do some short interview clips with them. And we are yes. planning on launching this, we are planning on launching this um, platform, it's called Kizazi YX. Kizazi means generation in Swahili. So you'd have the boomerang generation, the millennial generation. So, so we are looking at launching on the 15th of July. So that's the, the platform that we want to launch, which is going to be an add value to our business. But we want it to be more of a storytelling, you know. So mm. I, I, I'm on the same page as, 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 as you guys have mentioned, especially coming down to the niche, you know, because the niche for us, the why for us has always been the finance, the financial sector. That's why we started our business. Mm. Um, so the business coaching and the software development were just additional um, 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 platforms that we brought and as, 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 as time went on. But our initial why was the financial sector to say, how, how do we get these guys into access of financial sector and also work with these institutions and address the issue of trust? Because unfortunately, you won't scale your business. There's someone, you know, where I spoke to, you get a lot of guys who are in small scale farming, for example, they're on the social media saying, hey, we're planting crops, uh, we have chiclets and all those things. And I had someone, and I've done a proper research on it that when you start a farm, you have to go big or go home, right? So these are the kind of things that people would have to say, okay, if you want to start a farm, we have to raise capital. So where can we raise this capital? If it's venture capitalists or is the finance sector? But these are the things that we need to get on the ground. And that's the passion that drives us to say, let's get the information to the people so that we don't create businesses that are defaultly going to fail. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Uh, well, Zach, yes. um, yeah, thank you for, for being uh, part of the show today. Uh, I hope uh, we've been able to give you a little bit of help. Um, probably one last thing I'd just say is, is let the market dictate where you go. That's probably the biggest thing. Yes. Because uh, the market's in flux at the moment. No one really knows what's going on. So as you, like Sally made the great point you know, about the pret manger examples, like let your employees tell you what to do. You know, mind the source yes. of the crowd. You know, you only have a certain view of the world. Um, but uh, your customers, you know, speak to a hundred of them and let them know that you want to help them and see what they say, you know, about what they need. And take it from there. Can I, 
Can I add one last thing? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Zach, sorry, just if you do want to um, look into the data free thing, there's a uh, there's a company called Binu, B-I-N-U, that does reverse billing of um, of sites, and they're probably worth having a chat to um, to see if you can get the the data reverse build, which would definitely help with your market. Okay, okay, thank you. Cool, Zach. Thanks for being on the show, dude. Okay, thank you, Matt and Sally. Have a great one. Bye. Right, Good bye. luck on the fifteenth. <laughs> okay thank you thank oh, you guys all right, cheers, cheers <laughs> man. bye yeah man interesting hey interesting stuff um cool so we're going to get into live q a now all right so oh lots of sound effects on that one maverick um okay so uh we've got a question here from uh the studio line this one is from miranda uh she says hi matt sally quick question about how do you f- how do you feel about the world of podcasting changing in South Africa? I was on Facebook today and there were more, there were about three to four people posting about their new podcast show. And that's just in a single day. Is there now a more active market for this stuff? Hmm. Go on, Sally, you're the expert. Uh, yeah, yeah, compared to you, I'm so the podcast expert. <laughs> that's a bit long. Um, yeah, so I'm... I'm I'm in a hospital pass that right back to you. Man. That's, <laughs> this is that's definitely uh, your area. How dare you? How dare you? I'll take this and ne- I'll take the next synergy question. Okay. Well, it was interesting. We were going to cover this piece in the news, uh, but I'm going to bring it up now. Uh, this came out uh, this week from Gareth Cliff. Uh, Cliff Central expands to launch a creative content agency. So obviously, uh, Gareth runs uh, has run when the first people big personalities really move into the um the podcasting space i was pretty much after him um and then uh, has built a sizable uh podcast app driven audience so what's what was interesting about this move is that it's looking to i would say miranda is to capitalize on that trend that you are seeing in the market um i have also seen have you seen a lot of people putting podcasts out yeah 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 yeah, Tanya, Kun- Tanya Kunza, I saw one uh, come out today. Uh, may I have tab- tag uh, Tanya as well. Um, I forget what the name of her podcast is now. Uh, but um, yeah, I think then Joe Rogan did that Spotify deal for some stupid amounts of dollars. I think people, I think it's a combination of things. I don't think it's COVID necessarily um, that has driven that adoption. I think it's been a growing trend for some time. Mm. I think it's just reached a point now where it's kind of like, oh, do you have a website? Okay, what's your podcast? You don't have a podcast. What are you? Are you serious? Contact you seriously right now? I was saying that four years ago. Remember, Sally, I yeah. was trying to build a podcast empire and couldn't scale the thing because the market wasn't ready, and so I had to pivot, yeah. quote unquote, um, again to uh, to figure it all out. You know, um, and thank God I did. I still believe you cannot build a, a podcast only business in Africa. You just can't do it. I think you have to then sell additional services. And that's the, that's the interesting thing. I tried to get Gareth actually on, um, on the show to talk about this creative content uh, sort of space, this, this agency space, which they're saying they're going to create communication services for forward-thinking brands to their apparently 3 million people that they can reach uh, across their channels. So, um, yeah, I think it's just not possible to do a podcast or anything. I like, I had a, an email from Australia actually this week, another um, friend of mine, Paula also wanting to start a podcast. 
Um, and I would say if you're on the if you're thinking about it, do it. Just do it. Um, but I, what do you want to say? Go on. I can see. No, to. I was just going to say, you know, I think, um, I do think that, I do think that people though, they, they do under, it's, I agree that you should do it like the same way that I think that you should blog if, if it's something that, that you're feeling like, I do think people underestimate how much work goes into it. <laughs> um, and you of all people would know that. And I do think that if you're going to make podcasting part of your brand strategy, you have to work it in very, very cleverly. And it cannot, as you say, it cannot be the only thing that you do. You can't just launch a podcast and say, podcasts are the new thing. We're going to podcast. We're going to make millions. Mm. Um, that's, you're going to, I think you're going to be a little disappointed. Yeah. I think if you think you were going to be first, you'd like, you missed that boat <laughs> like seven, eight years ago, probably. Um, uh, but you're right, Sally. I've had so many people come to me like, over the years, come to me and go, ah, oh, love your show. I'm going to start a podcast. I'm like, great. You go ahead and do that. And then please, can you come back to me in six months time and tell me how your podcast is doing? Just to see if they can, are, are they going to be around in six months? Because the, to, you're right. It's like audio is not the same as producing, uh, you know, content for Instagram, you know, or LinkedIn. Like we can go live on LinkedIn you know, I could take my phone and literally push live and Facebook as well. And I can literally broadcast myself and it mm. costs me nothing, costs me literally nothing. So my cost per contact on, um, on going live on my phone is very low. In audio, it's a different story. I've got to now do post-production. I've got to edit things. I've got to create yeah. an intro. I've got to then, then I've got to distribute the thing up onto my RSS distribution feed, then I've got to put analytics on that. And then that's just getting it in market. Then I've got to recycle that content. Then I've got to publish that content. I've got to write post copy for all the recycled clips from the podcast that went out. So it's like, pff, you haven't even started yet, right? And then you, you're going to do that on your own. You've got no listenership. You've got no commercial upside whatsoever. Is it something then that you can see yourself doing? So I totally should have quit after two weeks. Totally. Like my downloads are like one person, you know what I mean? And that was me from the day before. Um, and, and I know what that feels like. And iTunes is littered with a graveyard of also ran podcasts, also rans. You know, like they, were, they did two or three episodes and went, mm -mm, this is actually too much hard work. I've actually got to go make money somewhere, you know? Um, and so those are the realities. So, you, you know, and then they go, yeah, but Joe Rogan, uh, you know, sold his podcast or did a licensing deal with spotify or exclusive one mm. uh richard uh, russell brand's done one with luminary we're starting to see media shift miranda um around uh basically putting up it's kind of like what twitter's doing in a way to loop back to that it's like subscription-based mm. premium content but behind community walls because facebook and youtube and they're terrible platforms to commercialize unless you are joe rogan getting 200 million downloads a month but he's a freak. Like that's not you can't compare yourself to him. Like you must compare yourself to you, and you don't have anything. Like you know, um, and it takes more. I think now more than ever, attention is where it's at. And if you want attention, there are far cheaper ways to get attention than a podcast. Um, and um, unless you can fund it, you know, and you've got ad money to put into it. What do you think, Sol? or if you're doing it for you if it's an area of interest it's an area of passion it's something that you want to podcast about and it and it's it's something you know then i think then i think go for it as well but yeah i do think that 
people that think it's going to be a, a a quick solve or a quick money spinner are um, are in for a, a world of pain. <laughs> mm. Yeah, exactly. And the other thing also is why audio only. You know, it's like if you do a video, you, you know, like like you do a five minutes like soapbox story. You know, where Sally thinks of this about whatever. You know, you take the audio. And you can put it into uh, from the audio from the video and use that as your podcast. Why would you exclude? I did that for like way too long. It was like two years before I even looked at, um, you know, or three years even before I looked at video. Now it's all video, and we just take the pod, the audio from this and we shove it into um, the podcast space. It's less important than being everywhere. Um, and so we've had to learn that the hard way. You know, I always think if I look back at the two hundred and sixty-five odd shows we've now done how much of that was underutilized in terms of media exposure and the attention we if i had just started broadcasting from day one how different things would be you know um and you know look we've we've been successful quote unquote uh, as a media platform much more than many others um and but i still quite i like wonder what what would have happened if i'd just done things right from the beginning and so it's you cannot fall in love with one medium which is what I did. I paid the price, being like broke, basically, trying to build a business uh, in a market where all other companies were buying all kinds of media and you're trying to sell them one. It doesn't work, you know? Uh, so you have to be, you know, you, you can't be drunk on your own Kool-Aid. <laughs> uh, and, uh, but I will say it, as I said in the beginning, if you want to do it, go and do it because no one will do podcasting like you will because it's totally you. You know, um, and and that's yeah, it's an it's an exciting thing to broadcast yourself. Um, you know, wherever you go, um, but yeah, be very careful about uh, how you think you're going to do that stuff. Um, cool. So let's get into failing. So Sally, uh, what have you fail, failed at this week? What have I failed at this week? Um, sure. Always, there's always lots of things on there. Um. I think I think the one thing I constantly fail at, and I'm I'm still working at, and um, is uh, is sticking up my hand when I need help. Mm. Um, I'm still not great at that. And uh, you know, one thing I've one thing I've found about being an entrepreneur in South Africa specifically is, um, man, the the everyone talks about Ubuntu, and I I think in the entrepreneurial world in South Africa, it is alive and well. There are so many amazing people that will help you if you just say, hey, I could really use your expertise or could you help me or could you help me with a question? Um, I don't understand this or, you know, um, like me, I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm really not a financial person. So I need a, you know, a lot of help understanding tax and, you know, currency exchange and, but how many people will, will so willingly help? And I just, I really, really struggle to like stick up my hand and be like, hi i need your help i don't know this and somehow like i i still feel like i should know i don't know like i should know these things but um but i don't and i yeah it's something i'm i'm still working on um yeah work in progress i know right never the finished product um the one i suppose the the thing that i failed at this week was um was I well I, that I've that I'm still failing at this week, which I'm going to rectify tomorrow. Um, but it's a it's actually about bringing the team together. 
So I haven't been communicating the status of the company. Do you understand? So people have just been oh, working. transparency, yeah. Just been working, like working the ass off. Mm. And uh, we had mm. our best month ever last month for some weird reason. Things went, went were very bad and then got very good very quickly. <laughs> it was like nuts. That's awesome. Yeah, uh, but I haven't said anything. You know, to to people, um, I haven't I haven't done enough to inspire them to teach them uh, about it. Like I'm going to do a talk, um, which I got off Rich Mulholland's talk draw, uh, all about um, the four. I think it's the four principles or something like that. Four principles of execution. Uh, so I'm going to do a talk to the whole company tomorrow to to kind of get them more clear around execution because I think now more than ever that's you know it's like critical. Mm. Um, so yeah, I certainly have haven't done a a, you know enough leadership and inspiring leadership which i think we all need to do now more than ever yeah and i think you hit it on the head with the you know i think as well just the the transparency is so important around you know how how you're doing if you're doing bad or if you're doing well or if you're just holding hope fuss um i think it's so important that everybody at the at your company knows how you're doing there's so much fear and so much uncertainty that we see um in the workplaces at the moment and the one thing everybody wants to know is that they just want to know how we're doing like do i need to be worried do i not need to be worried what do i need to be worried about um and just that regular check-in i mean i've seen some of the great great leaders at the moment doing those um, doing those fishbowl chats with all of their staff where everyone can call in on Zoom and ask them the most uncomfortable questions and they just sit there and they answer as to the best of their ability and nothing keeps a company or an organization together like that that level of honesty and transparency. I'm a, I'm a big fan. Mm, yeah, I, I agree. Some people say that you shouldn't be so transparent though. Like I was talking to a client and we have a client in the Middle East and uh, the CEO was um, trying to understand more about what we were doing, et cetera. And so, uh, and I was talking to him about the culture and how we have full transparency and stuff. Mm. And I think I've had it before. I think I was with uh, Vusi Tembekwea and um, uh, I, I also said the same. In fact, it was him. I re- it specifically mm. also remember. It was before we went live and he's a finance guy and um, mm. obviously respect him a lot. And so I said to him, you know, so he was looking at the whole team back in the day before COVID and he was like, is this the whole team? I was like, yeah, yeah. And, you know, talking about the culture and I was like, yeah, transparent. You know, like, you know, they all know how much we make, you know? And he was like, what? You, you tell them how much money the company makes. I was like, yeah, of course. Why wouldn't I? Cause it's, it's you know, it's the thing is to say, it's that, you know, there's no one size fits all solution here. Like you run your mm. ship the way you captain, you captain your ship the way you want to captain it. Mm. For me, it gets people uh, excited about what they are building. It's like, oh, my role here matters because if I didn't do this thing, my small role in this big engine, mm. we wouldn't be there. You know, and so in, in my personal experience is that it gives them a sense of meaning, right? Uh, as opposed to the corporate experiences, you don't know anything. You never get told anything, Right. Yeah, I mean, it's just, you know, I think, I think if you sit and you, you chat with everyone, and I mean, you don't, uh, you, you don't necessarily need, to, as you say, you're captain of your own ship, you, you don't necessarily need to get into the actual, like, physical amounts, because I think, I think depending on the organization and depending on the size of the organization, you also have to look 
and say that a lot of people won't understand the difference between turnover and profits and net profit. And, you know, there, there's also going to be phrases and things, but I think people want to know gen, like, you know, how, how well are we doing in, you know, necessarily in, in, in quite simple terms, they don't need to, to be worried about turnover and, and all of the different percentages, but they need to know, you know, look guys, we're, we're not doing so good. Um, you know, these are some of the decisions that we're sitting with at the moment. And we, you know, the, and these, this is the timeline attached to that. Mm. I've seen so many companies working in employee experience um, that have just literally sent out a blanket email to all of their staff on a Friday afternoon saying, um, by the way, your salary is being cut by 30%. See you on Monday. Um, you know, have a nice weekend. <laughs> and, you know, um, but then everybody hears that the shareholders still got their bonuses. So, mm. um, you know, there, there's, there's, there's a, yeah, there's, I mean, no one, you know, no one's going to work overtime or, or be committed to a company that they feel that they're being, that they're being lied to or, or mistreated. So I think you've got to find that, that fine line between mm. the, between oversharing perhaps and, and, and what people actually understand, because you could say like, we're turning, you know, we're turning 300 million, but that doesn't mean that you're making 300 million profit. Mm. Yeah, like, yeah, I hear you. I hear you. I don't know. Maybe I'll learn. I think the bigger the company, the more you want to kind of, you know, pull things yeah. in, I think. Uh, but certainly when you're building, you're still building the air, the engine in the airplane that's flying, you know. And so, like, as an example, we've got, uh, we. I made the decision uh, to go after the UK now because, you know, I'm never going to meet my, on my wall here. I've actually got um, a a framed fake term sheet for the acquisition of uh, digital Kung Fu. Um, okay. Yeah. To keep me focused. And I look at the, the number on there, which is, I mean, it's not like earth shatteringly huge, but it's, you know, it's around about a hundred million. And I'm thinking to myself, well, you know, how do I get there fast? And it's the date is like June next year. So, <laughs> you know, um, I, I need to figure out where that growth's coming from. And so um, as a company, we need to figure that out personally. And so, uh, we've started engaging with UK clients. We still had our first sales call today and the team doesn't know. You understand? So it's like that stuff is the stuff I should be communicating and I'm yes. going to communicate that tomorrow. I don't need to tell them like, you know, we made whatever the million, how many millions we made last month, but I can tell them we had our best month ever, everybody well done, you know, and by the way, off the back of that, we're now looking at the UK and blah, blah, blah. And so, you know, getting people to believe that they're part of something greater than themselves is everything. You know, it's why it's it's the kind of mindset you want in your soldiers when you go to war. It's because it's bigger than me and it's bigger than you. Um, and if if you need to float the number to get that message across, then you do that. Um, but uh, I suppose it's about getting that leadership quality right, right, and understanding that it's about providing them with the service, not them providing you with the service, because that's, I think, a big mistake people have. 100%. Yeah, you've, you've got to get, yeah, you've got to understand that you're supporting your team. Cool. Um, let's wrap this up. One more thing. So Much better, Maverick, with the beats. Thank you. More of that. Um, so uh, the soapbox here today is uh, all about commitment. Um, so I uh, put out this tweet. You can get me a map around ZA. Um, but I said, yeah, you can't stay sober if you drink a little bit. You can't get a six-pack if you're cheating with chocolate in the evenings. And you can't build a successful business if you're not fully committed. Um, and I think, you know, commitment is so important, right? It's like I wasn't fully committed 10 days ago 
And and when I said things were really bad, it was a massive cash flow crunch. I was like, oh my gosh, it's finally happening. You know, I can get over it now. <laughs> it's like every successful entrepreneur has this thing, even Elon Musk and SpaceX. It's like, oh my gosh, mental breakdown sort of thing. And then suddenly it turned around and I made a commitment to everybody and myself. I was like, we will never be in that situation again. And the only reason why I know that to be the case, and by the way, going on, starting to engage with UK clients and believing in what we do and what we built as a company is being fully committed. Because I've been talking, I mean, we won Africa's best tech startup last year. I went to London Tech Week, met the UK government's Department of Trade, rolled out the red carpet, come to London, da, 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 and I did nothing for nine months. Right? Why? Wasn't fully committed. Didn't believe we, the timing was right. Made up a story about why I shouldn't do it. You know? Uh, and so I wasn't fully committed. And so I, the soapbox for me is just that. It's like, are you being fully committed in your business? Um, because if you're not, there's going to be very bad consequences around that. Uh, Sally, any comments around commitments? Yeah, um, you, you, yeah, you really have to be. It's, I mean, I think your your examples are really good. Um, it's the same as training. It's the same as anything. You have to be committed. And the other word that would that would go in for me with that would be consistent. Mm. Um, you have to consistently do something, even if it's something small, a small habit, a small routine, a small thing that you do towards the bigger goal every single day. So you have to. Be to doing it and just like literally like chip away and and keep at it yeah sorry about the sound effect there you know i just like that beat <laughs> uh cool so um that's another failure for me on the map around show thank you uh, everybody for joining the conversation for everyone in the studio line thank you uh social media thanks and most importantly thank you to sally thank you for being on the show uh, and just want to say thank you for being uh, a support to me when I needed it most as well in those early days of being hungry. Ah, uh, thanks, dude. And uh, yeah, ditto. All right, guys, we'll see you again soon. Cheers. Thanks for listening to the Map Round Show, guys. Don't forget, you can catch me on all social media platforms for the latest updates, news, and a show history. So if you've been catching this on the podcast, please head on over to our YouTube channel and pound that subscribe button. It would be great to catch the video version there. And if you want a free copy of my number one Amazon best-selling book, You're In A Game, for free right now today, you can grab that on mattbrownshow.com forward slash ebook. Ever wanted to become a best-selling author? Well, I'm in the influence business and I work with business owners and CEOs and business leaders to help them scale their influence. And we do this as a team by helping you to become a best-selling author, sought-after speaker and industry influencer in only 30 days. My team and I have developed a system that delivers a best-selling book and a launch campaign 300% faster and 50% less cost than anyone else in North America. This system is incredibly efficient. One of my clients Haiku went from a 2% share of voice globally to an 11% share of voice globally in only seven days. If you'd like more information, head on over to showworksmedia.com for more. That is showworks with an X.com.